Well, here we are, one month in the books. I mean, with two off days bookending the Royals' two-game set, we all had extra time on both ends to fret about Mitch Keller's performance and then soak in how bad it was on the other end. I mean, now the Cardinals come to town, and all I can say is, let's get it on. I'm ready to see what they got. Good evening, and welcome back to the Fan Forum here on DK Sports Radio. I'm your host, Gary Morgan, and we're going to have a great conversation tonight about baseball. Here are some of my awesome guests this week. First, let's welcome back to the show Jim Stam, fresh off diving into the weeds on Steelers draft stuff. Jim, how are you doing? Gary, I'm doing good, man. Um, hey, Pirates are 500. Let's just enjoy it. Who knows how long it'll last? Let's just enjoy it. I was under the impression it would last all season. but I hope it does. All right. And uh, we're also welcoming back my good friend, James Littleton, who I met on Facebook and turned to the dark side of Twitter, which I still kind of feel a little bad about. But uh, James, how are you doing today, my friend? Uh, Not too bad. And I was not one of the ones who thought we would be 500. That is true. That is very true. Last but certainly not least, welcome to the show for the first time, my friend, Zach Kerr. I met Zach on Facebook and... What's always impressed me about him is his thoughtful nature. Every comment he makes, he's a thinker. And for this show, that's a perfect fit. Zach, say hello to the good people, my friend. Hello to the good people, my friend. Wait. (laughs) Now it's a a ventriloquism show. All right, everybody. (laughs) So let's let's go ahead and dig right in. Um, Today, folks, I'd really like to start out with something new for the fan forum. As the show continues to grow... I'll, of course, continue to introduce you to more fans who know the game, but let's face it, two or three a week, it's going to take a while for me to get to everybody. (laughs) So um, I think what I'd like to do is start doing a poll every week where you guys can vote, give me some comments, I'll read them on the show, and uh, we'll see how that goes for a little while, and maybe we'll come up with some other ways to get some more interactivity going. This week, the poll question was, do the Pirates really need to carry 14 pitchers right now? And I'm going to give you the results. Yes got 43.4% and no got 56.6. So before I read some of the comments and I'll interject them as we talk, I figured, James, I'm going to give you a shot to tell everybody where you fall on this one. Um, I think, uh, no, I don't think they need to carry 14. And the main reason for that is that I believe just because they're allowed to carry more than 13 just because of the pandemic. So why not get used to carrying 13 now? Because it's going to be the future. So that's that's my reasoning behind it. Jim, how do you feel about that? I'm actually on the other side of it. Um, I like having the extra arms right now. Um, I mean, look, baseball, it's a long, long season. And I think if you look, just if you get an indication of how things are going early on this year, um, whether it's out of necessity or that's just um, how things have shaken out, and you look at some of the average starts from the pitching staff, you know, we're, we're sitting around five innings, give or take, for a lot of these guys. Keller's problems have been well documented. So um, I just look at it like, Right now, the bullpen's the strength of the team. Um, Absolutely. uh, You know, I don't think that's even disputable. Um, And as this season goes on, it looks like they're going to lean on this bullpen pretty heavily to stay in games. And and quite honestly, I think they should. Um, So, yeah, for me, I like having it. I think, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with injuries coming up here. Brault may be coming back. That should help at some point. But, no, I like it. I think you get the extra arms. You can uh, stretch out some games if you need to. And I think it's a good thing. Okay. I mean, and Zach, I'm going to get to you in a second. But let's let's just do a couple uh, readers here. So, Bucko Fever Podcast says, having the extra arms means Aviato – doesn't have to get used more than he has to, or in situations you'd rather not have him pitch. Makes it easier to stash him away. I agree with that. Zach, what do you think? I 
I'm torn on that because you obviously don't want a guy, especially that young, doesn't have the MLB experience to get overexposed. But at the same time, I I think it's a it's a tricky sort of Goldilocks balance you want to strike where you might not want to have him throw, say, every third day like uh, a more typical reliever. But I do think you don't want him to go, say, 10, 15 days, long stretches of time, not seeing big league action either because I feel like it's – one thing to get the bullpen sessions in to keep the arm long um, and get that work in. But I think it's quite another to then just not have the, the actual game work that really helps in that development. But for the, the question overall, I would say no, it's not a need. But I also think it's not necessarily a need to have 13 position players either. And I'm with Jim in that. Um, to expand on what he was saying, I think we've seen in the past for the Pirates, for any team, there'll be times when you'll carry uh, what some might consider that extra pitcher or two, depending on the needs at the time. And sometimes we might carry an extra bat or two, depending on uh, the team at the time and how it's going. And so I, I agree with the point on the bullpen and the mix that they have now really leaning heavily on that. Uh, whereas if we look at the other side of things, it feels like they hardly have enough bats to even put in the lineup, let alone to yeah. form a bench. So I'm, I'm with Jim and leaning into that bullpen strength, use the arms if you need them and uh, be prepared for outings. Like you mentioned, Mitch Keller's where guys are not going as many innings and you're going to need to have all the arms you can get. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to say I probably fell on the, um, on the no side of it, but I admittedly, I was thinking of it from a different perspective entirely. I'm thinking about who has to go to keep that intact. When Hayes comes back, do I want that to be a pitcher that they send down via option? Or do I want them to cut Wilmer Defoe or Todd Frazier? If you throw that wrinkle in there, what do you do? Defoe, I'm okay. If it's got to be Defoe, I'm okay with it. Um, I I, I. I just look at it like um, you're probably to the point with Defoe where we had him in the outfield the other day. That looked a little shaky. It looked a lot um, of shaky. <laughs> I was actually there. It looked a lot of shaky. It looked worse okay. than it did on TV. Trust okay. Me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, uh, that's going to be a limited thing for him. The bat, he's a little light there. I just, I look at it like if you've got guys in the bullpen that are performing, um, with an eye on not burning guys out as the season goes along and kind of distributing those innings um, amongst the whole staff. Uh, that's, I, I would still, I, you surprised me, Gary. I thought you'd be on the other side of things with that. So um, it, to me, it's not necessarily there's a, a right and a wrong on this one. So I'm actually fine playing both sides of the fence on this argument because I see it both ways. I really do. I'm th- I'm seeing it more even from a roster construction point when I say what I just said. I don't necessarily want to say we don't need Wilmer Defoe, who's leading the league in pinch hits right now. You know, I don't want to necessarily say we don't need Todd Frazier because maybe we do. You know, <laughs> I'm not ready to just give those guys away when I can send Sean Poppin down for free. And up until that Mitch Keller abomination the other night, they hadn't used Poppin in over a week. So to me, you're not really hurting anything by moving him down and keeping the extra bat for a few games, a few weeks even. Make a decision later. An injury will crop up. And again, Michael Feliz is going to come off the IL soon. And then, you know, there's another pitcher spot you have to take up. So there's an awful lot of moving parts to think about. But keeping 14 pitchers I don't think is – crucial you know no um let's see what scott nelson says he says if you asked me at the beginning of the year i'd have said that's crazy now i'm on board this many relievers protects the starters and our roll five pick of course the fact that they have been good kellers the view so hey that's fair i would say like if there was somebody sticking out who was really bad i think a lot of people would would probably jump on board with getting rid of that person, but I haven't seen anybody that really has floundered. Um, let's see. Steve Feck 
um, our friend from Jays on the Couch. He does a podcast about the Blue Jays, but he is a diehard Pirates fan, which is just crazy. That's a, that's a hell of a combination. <laughs> he says, uh, as I've been ranting about on my podcast, teams only need the 14th pitcher for doubleheaders. And even then they get an extra guy, so probably not, right? I mean, the pitching staff in general has I think overperformed a little bit and some of the starters that we wouldn't have thought were going to do well are actually really excelling. Um I personally was really high on JT Brubaker, but they can't have expected he was going to be giving them 5-6 innings consistently. They just can't. And um I, well, I hopefully, certainly don't hopefully think, you didn't jinx him. I certainly well, I hope not. But but certainly Anderson has ex- has excelled. Cahill's even given you a little bit more than than I think a lot of people thought thought he would. So maybe the fourteen pitchers isn't necessary, but maybe it's still a good idea. Either way, it's it's such a delicate situation. Like especially when you start talking about options and forty man and DFAing people, and I'm just not sure that we're ready to do that with anybody that I mentioned yet. And that's, yeah, and that's, I think that's a weird situation. Yeah, that's the crucial point. And, and it's it's something that they always play with. Uh, you know, your point of, of popping is one example, but why risk designating someone for assignment and exposing them to other teams when you can maintain as many assets as possible? And I think um, that's true of any team at any point, but I think especially in a rebuild, you don't want to necessarily expose someone who could be uh, whether it's a guy that's like we've seen with Alfred and Fowler, where it's, it's possible that they could come back up again uh, after some time in the minors and find their stroke. And there you go. Or uh, in the case of veterans like Frazier here started out zero for 14, but then hoping I'm sure we all are hoping that Wednesday was the sign of, better things to come and then flipping him for an asset as opposed to maybe losing him for nothing. So yeah, that's, that's, I think a crucial factor in all this. How do you maintain as many assets, as many players in this case as possible on your roster and your farm system for that matter. That's the other, I just don't want to see them use the option on somebody that has kind of earned their way here right now, just to make room for, you know, cutting a pitcher. Or, I mean, I just don't think that's necessary. Um, we also don't know when Hayes is coming back yet. I mean, as far as I understand, he still hasn't swung a bat. So that could be another week for all I know. And they could be more than sick of Todd Frazier by then. Or they could be more than sick of Wilmer Defoe by then. Or Gregory Polanco could break his leg. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in, in a week of baseball. But, I mean, James – you started out saying that you didn't think we needed it. Um, I don't. I mean, I've heard a couple of the commenters talk about um, hiding Oviedo. And I mean, I would rather him get the experience. I mean, he's going to be here all year. I mean, might as well use him. We're not trying to contend. I mean, we're not in my eyes going to contend. So I would prefer to let him get experience. Let him go out there. If he gets rocked every once in a while, he seems to have the, mental makeup to be able to take it he doesn't seem to be like keller in my eyes like looking timid when he gets hit yeah right he just comes right back at the next guy uh just firing heat and i mean i would rather see what he's got this year i mean he's going to be here i'd rather just see him period i'm not i'm actually starting to wonder what what they are doing i don't think he showed me that he needed hidden quite the I, way I, he is right I mean, you've turned me around because at the beginning i was i mean I, I think the very first time he pitched we talked about why he was throwing him out there in a high leverage situation and um i mean he seems to have the mental makeup where i mean sure somebody might get it hit him hard but he's going to come right back to the next guy and not and just totally forget about what happened with the guy before and i mean he seems to be able to do that whereas keller doesn't yeah <laughs> so, i mean Hey, Keller has a hard time getting hit in the first place because you have to throw it over the plate a lot of the time. I mean, you can just happen, see but... the deer in the headlights look with Keller on the mound. That's true. And in Oviedo, you don't see that at all in my eye. 
No, Oviedo almost, you would think jumping from single A, you'd have that deer in the headlights look. You really do. But, I mean, he did not look like the moment was too big for him. I mean, that that had to be pretty painful to give up six runs in one outing, you know, as a kid. And he just did not stop throwing the ball. I mean, he, he just looked to me mature beyond his years. And right now, I'm not sure what good you're doing, just hiding him. It's been forever since he's pitched. I think it's been eight games now. Jim, what yeah. do you think? No, I agree with you. I think you've got him on the roster. You know, he seems to be someone that um, doesn't have any trouble going out there and competing. Um, if if he has a hiccup here or there, I'd like to try him in a little bit of different situations here and there. I mean, obviously still in the bullpen, but yeah, um, I, I just – you let a guy – Look, baseball is a game that you have to play. I mean, you've got yeah. to get out there and get your reps. And I mean, I don't care if that if that if you're a hitter, if you're going in as a defensive replacement, pitching, whatever. You know, eight days in between five, six, seven. It, you're not. If that's what they're going to do with them, then they aren't doing him any good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would, I have no problem throwing them out there in a lot of different situations, whether it's, you know, to face the minimum three batters, if they need him for some long relief, Hey, you've got him. Let's just see what he's good at and see where he finds a comfort level. Yeah. I mean, Keller's game, I thought, uh, went before they went with pop and they're down six runs. I kind of thought, Hey, this makes a lot of sense. Put Oviedo in there. Right. They, they're either working on something with him where they're not going to be comfortable putting him back in until they have it nailed down, or they are legitimately hiding him. So time will tell as we as we move forward here, but oh, it, I guess this wasn't supposed to be a discussion only about Oviedo, but he is part of the reason why you need 14 pitchers, right? So, But I think to bring it back to that and how he plays into that, if you're going to have the 14 arms and especially looking to get him work and like all of us have been agreeing, it doesn't seem to do him any good to have him just sitting out for eight games. Now it seems like, and I think there was a bridge between his last appearance and the one before that too, but seven uh, games. the more arms you have to put in there, like the better you protect everybody in the bullpen if you have this young guy who has shown as i think we all agree that he can handle himself and if he gets knocked around brush it off come back in strong next game that's another pitcher you can put in there and you don't have to throw pick a guy whether it's rodriguez whether it's crick whoever they don't have to throw maybe four or five days a week maybe you you give them three or four instead and and i think in the course of the marathon 162 game typical regular season that helps protect all of the arms. And I know they've said they're going to use 27, whatever number it was <laughs> arms this year, but it, it really helps for not just the season at hand, but the long-term health of the pitcher's arms as well, not to have that sort of everyday wear and tear continue to get on them uh, if they're pitching that one fewer time a week. So I think it's good for all involved if they get him more action. I I mean, I totally agree. And I'd have to say our poll segment here went pretty well. We'll try it again next week. I really enjoyed that. But let's go ahead and take a break here, and we'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened in the offseason. back and uh next i'd like to take just a look back to the offseason a little bit here and remember that the pirates picked up tyler anderson for 2.5 million dollars and at least so far you'd have to say the results are certainly better than expected so my biggest question is why didn't they do that in the outfield seems to me we knew it was going to be an issue they knew it would be Yet all they did was bring in cast-offs. I mean, Zach, let's get started with you here. First, do you think they should have done more? And either way you feel, why didn't they? 
I was thinking about this, and I think it's it's easy to look at it and say, why didn't they sign, you know, pick an outfielder who was a free agent and doing pretty well in this first month of the season and you that you could have expected to do so. But I was looking back at the official Major League Baseball free agency list for outfielders, and I, I think that this is perhaps more nuanced than just why didn't they bring in an outfielder? Because to me, it looked like going into spring training, they had their minds made up, right or wrong, that Polanco was going to be in right field, Reynolds was going to be in left field more so than center field. That was my read on it, and I think that's what we got starting the season, Reynolds in left field. So to me, the, the, the first thing that came to mind was it's not just looking for an outfielder. You're looking, I mean, more specifically for a center fielder, which changes the dynamic because it's one thing to go from center to a corner, but it's a lot more difficult to go from a corner to center and, and be that ball hawk, that, that leader of the outfield out there. So looking at the center fielders, the list was not terribly long when I looked on uh, MLB's website and Brian Goodwin came off an okay season, uh, you know, didn't blow anybody away, but it, it was respectable. And he was a guy who was willing to come in and he didn't end up making the team after spring training, which is, you know, another discussion we could have at some point too. But as far as other center fielders out there specifically, I'm not sure who else would have perhaps been a willing partner. And when you have a team coming off finishing 30th in the MLB, and clearly in another rebuilding year and looking at that versus one guy I was uh, thinking of, maybe someone like Adam Duvall, he ended up going to the Marlins. Marlins, I, I don't think a lot of people would have expected to make much noise this year either. But if I'm looking at rebuilding my value as a player, am I going to go to that lineup where I'm getting protected and getting to live in Miami? Or am I going to live in Pittsburgh for the, the April and the September, I guess I have particularly in mind and be in a lineup that based on last season, looking at that, I'm not looking like I'm getting a lot of protection there to help me yeah. rebuild my value. So all that to say, I don't know what more they could have done. That's not to say they couldn't have, they very well might've been able to, but I feel like I just can't see where, where I'm looking right now. What else, they could have done based on guys who were available guys who might've been willing in a pretty slim far as what I could tell um, center fielder market. Okay. I mean, so you're basically saying you don't see missed opportunities there. Um, Jim, how about you? Yeah, I try to, you know, I try to be fair about it. it it's obviously now with, you know, having the hindsight, probably would have been good to do something else um, because of the situation that, you know, that has kind of uh, played out, which is there just doesn't seem to be any answers. We'll find out about Tom here um, if he's going to perform. But I think to be fair at the beginning of the year, you know, they might've got a little too enamored with Alford because of last year. Yeah. I was um, thinking that too. You know that they've put their eggs in that basket when, quite honestly, um, that was probably a little too uh, trusting just based on his history and limited amounts of at-bats. But, you know, they, they, they had Alford. They got Goodwin. They even went out and got Fowler. Um, so, you know, I think they were trying to be selective with guys that had some either – either had some past performance with someone like Goodwin or some guys with some, you know, uh, with some potential, it just hasn't worked out. And um, I think, you know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about tells you, tells you how, uh, how exciting my life is. I'm thinking of this topic in the shower today and, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, yeah. Vi hey, picture that. And, um, no, and, thank you. <laughs> and my biggest thing came out of it. I was like, Oh my goodness. Can you imagine if this unit out there has an injury or two? Right. I, I, I mean, it's one thing to leave yourself uh, with limited options. That would mean no options. So yeah. uh, that would be, that, that would be terrifying, but yeah, I try to be fair. I think they tried to give themselves, 
some options. It just didn't work out. And now here we are. And maybe Tom has, maybe there is something with him. I mean, he's got some pop. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, he, his stat line next to Fowler's is almost identical. I mean, they both showed power very late in their uh, minor league careers. And that's great. I mean, now apparently Tom calls himself blaze. So I guess that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if it's going to translate to the baseball diamond, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, James, you know, you know, the types of players that were out there that, that were being bantered about, you know, Jackie Bradley jr. Was, was pretty high on the board. A lot of people thought the pirates were going to be interested in him. Uh, What do you think stopped them from pulling the trigger on anything like that? Well, well, when you broach this subject, being the geek, that I am. <laughs> I I went to my favorite website, Spot Track, to see who signed this offseason for less for 2.5-ish or less. And I found 13 names, and only two of them are doing anything. I mean, so I mean there wasn't a whole lot of great options for the pirates at what they spent for Anderson. I mean, I found Michael Taylor. I mean, that would have been Okay. And that one, yeah. I mean, I mean, he killed us. I mean, that's true. I, I would rather have him in our outfield than somebody else's. Now, I didn't, I wasn't like Zach and just narrowed it down to center field uh, because I think that Reynolds could play there if, if they wanted him to. But I mean, there was just nothing there. I mean, Jay Bruce, I mean, no, he didn't, he didn't last with the Yankees. Dyson, I mean, that's a hell no. I mean, we did that once. <laughs> We could have got more international pool money, though, James. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we did. I mean, I I really don't think that there was any, even looking back, if you could see who was going to do well. I mean, there was two names, and I mean, I I don't see where they would have gotten us. Yeah, Um, I mean, Kevin Pillar kept coming up, and I'm not a Kevin Pillar guy. Same. But he kept coming up as somebody that was on the table. David Dahl, you know, after he got cut loose. Um, I guess my my point is you're going into a season. You have Brian Reynolds. He's coming off a, a pretty bad season. Pretty good indications that he's going to turn it around. He's always hit. So I wouldn't say he was a concern. He's really never had injury history. He, You know, you feel like pretty solid that that Brian Reynolds is going to be a contributor for most of the season, right? You got Gregory Planca. He's never stayed healthy his entire career. So regardless of what you think of Gregory Planca, regardless of whether you think he is somebody that they should have long since cut loose and eaten the money on, whatever you want to say, I'm not going to get into that argument as much as you can't have expected him to stay on the field the whole season. I mean, I hope he does, but now they have nothing right now. They got Troy Stokes Jr. They haven't tried him yet. They got Blaze Tom. We'll see how he does, right? We've tried Alfred, tried Fowler. Goodwin's gone. So what do you got? Sharp is the only prospect prospect. I guess they're putting Swaggerty up in AAA. So, but he's never even played in AA. Like, so I can't, I can't see him coming up quickly to be the savior. My point is they went into it thin. So I don't they want did. them to continue to build lineups that look like they were unprepared for it. That's all. And yeah, Wilmer I mean, Defoe is not an option. I have never seen yeah. somebody physically break the wrong direction on a ball as often as I did the other game that I was at against Kansas wow. City. He literally broke the exact opposite way you should on almost every ball hit to right field. And I mean, in, out, left, right, I'm talking the opposite of what he should have done. And then he's athletic, so he got to a lot of them. That's great. And when you're watching on TV, it looks like he just ran it down. But he wouldn't have had to run it down if he didn't break in 10 feet before he took off for it. You know, I mean, that, that is not a solution. And Phillip Evans can hold it down again, athletic, good player, good head on his shoulders, going to try his ass off. But 
Philip Evans is also not an outfielder. And I think he has shown us that a couple times now. And while I'm okay with that, man, at some point the pitching staff doesn't doesn't feel confident throwing strikes if you're not going to get outs on fly balls. So I guess I'm saying, like, why didn't you do a little more? What are your thoughts on playing uh, Adam Frazier a little bit more in the outfield? I was shocked to see them substitute him out there um, the other day because Shelton had literally just said he had no interest in seeing him play in the outfield anymore. They were very happy with him at second base and they didn't see a reason to take their gold glove second baseman. I I'm happy with him at second base, but I mean, like you said, I mean, what are their other options out there right now? Right. It's, it's bad out there. I mean, you can at least when um, Hayes comes back, you can throw Egon over at second. Uh, and at least have another decent outfielder who has played before. You certainly could, but I would not say Adam Frazier's arm makes him a decent outfielder. He may I, I get to the ball, but he's I didn't not going to throw about it. his arm. I'm, I'm not talking arm. <laughs> well, I'm saying like <laughs> you, we, you get better on, and, we get on Polanco better in left field. <laughs> we get on Polanco about his arm, but Frazier's arm in the outfield is not impressive either. So, I, I I agree, but he would catch fly balls routinely. That's true. So can Philip Evans though. So mm-hmm. why why move him around? He he's caught everything routine. I mean, I don't have a problem with with the, him getting to the balls. I have a little bit of a problem with with positioning, understanding what's his, under you know, um, things like that. But you can tell that Reynolds doesn't even have that in center field. I mean, anytime there's a, a questionable pop-up, it's an adventure. It's an <laughs> absolute adventure. And, I mean, if hitters were actually capable and skilled enough to do it on purpose, they would hit those pop-ups all the time because this team has a, a real hard time catching them. They really do. Eric Gonzalez would probably be another option in the outfield. He actually might play really well out there. Stronger arm. He has a stronger arm. He's he's just extremely athletic. They can put him anywhere they want, and he could play. He just he just looks like a born fielder. So mm-hmm. that would be somebody I'd rather see them try than Adam Frazier. But either way, well, I think it speaks to the fact that Shelton just said they had no interest in doing that, and then they all of a sudden you're seeing Adam Frazier in left field. So I I, I think it speaks to the situation. You know, they're scrambling a little bit, um, and. Tom would bail them out if, if he can do anything out there. I mean, we're, That's we're, true. A, we're a pulled Gregory uh, Polanco hamstring away from Zach getting, getting the call up here for <laughs> <laughs> to get in the outfield. At. So stay limber, buddy. It could be. Hey, I'm only 11 years removed from playing outfield in, in Whippeal. So, you know, I could, I could get in there. There you go. See, then we'll call up Craig. He can catch. But we got uh, the the other thing I wanted to talk about was in the outfield. The reason they had to put Frazier out there was because they wanted to keep Moran in after they pinch hit. Mm. So, I mean, that's a good point. Special circumstances mm. to do that, and it wasn't really their first wish. Because actually, uh, somebody actually asked him afterwards, "Hey, you just said you didn't want to move Frazier out in the outfield, and there he was." He's like, "Yeah, I had to try to do anything I could to keep Moran's bat in the lineup so he could hit in the ninth." So. I get it. Well, let, let me ask you this, Gary, or anybody, James, Zach, ha, has Reynolds said what his preference is? Left, center. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I've ever heard that. Sometimes it, it makes a difference. I, I haven't heard. I haven't heard him say anything. I've not even read that he's mentioned it to anybody. I know that he grew up playing center field. He's not afraid to play center field. Um, his only comment on it publicly was that in PNC Park, left field is just like center field, which is absolutely true. I don't think he's afraid to play anywhere they want him to go. Uh, I just, I really don't think he cares at all. And I don't. He doesn't think that, seem like he doesn't seem like the kind that 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 would. Um, no. I'm just curious. It popped into my head. I I don't know that I ever heard one way or the other. The thing about Reynolds is, I mean, if you if you want to go old school on it. He has a center fielder's bat. I mean, he doesn't hit like a corner outfielder. That said, 
it's been a really long time since we had a corner outfielder that hit like a corner outfielder. So it's really difficult to, to really care about those tags. You know, (laughs) I just consider him as being somebody that locks down one position out there. I don't really care where it is. And I really don't get the impression he cares either. Um, In other words, I don't think the team is ticking him off and he won't extend because they're playing him in center or something. I just think he's, he's happy where they put him. I do think, right field in PNC Park is a scary place to stick somebody like Defoe because Mm -hmm. the angles that you have to play balls off that wall are scary. I mean, they they really are. They're very hard to handle, hard to understand what's going to happen. You don't know your territory. You're going to slam right into that chain link. I I just, I'm not a fan of sticking an inexperienced arm out there, Mm -hmm. but um, I mean, we've watched Polanco do it and struggle for years. And I actually think he kind of gets a bad rap sometimes because right field in PNC Park is a difficult position. It's less territory, but it really can make you look stupid real quick. It really can. We talk about the yeah. notch all the time, but it's hard to hit a ball to the notch. I mean, look what yeah. like, look what happened to Taylor the other day when Jake hit that home run, right? I mean, he slammed right into that notch. I mean, I thought he was out. I really did. I thought he was out cold the way he hit that wall. He just pummeled to the ground and then I think he tried to trick everybody into thinking he caught the ball, but still. <laughs> I mean, the outfield, I think, is just going to be a problem this whole season. We've all embraced that already at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like everybody consensus just doesn't see there was too many options on the table that were that interesting, though. At least not. No, and that, if that I may, right. even looking at you know the couple we brought up is particularly attractive. Who didn't sign for that much? I, I believe it was Michael A. Taylor and Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, look where they ended up. I, I believe it was Milwaukee and uh, Kansas City, or was it Washington? Kansas City. Uh, yeah, yeah just talking about right. Um, and so, you know, Kansas City, you you could probably have an argument there of like, well, they weren't necessarily expected to do a whole lot either, but. It, I think, you know, with Jackie Bradley Jr. going to Milwaukee, if, if I'm a player looking to either rebuild my value or win, I'm, I'm going to Milwaukee over Pittsburgh in terms of this offseason 10 out of 10, 10 times, no question. And I would think Milwaukee, the only reason I question that, and we'll, we're obviously in our next segment, we're going to be talking a little <laughs> bit about the NL Central, but so I'll, I'll spare it from going too far. But Milwaukee, I'm not sure he had um, the greatest – path to playing time because uh the only reason he's playing is because Kane and Yelich have been hurt so if that hadn't happened I think he's sitting on the bench and I think for Pittsburgh the one thing they have as a selling point is you could play here if you're a decent player we have room we need somebody (laughs) you know I'm not saying I want to go as far as to to uh swallow loud and take Derek Dietrich but we could we could have done something is what I'm saying and I, and I think they could have done something a little more than Alfred and Fowler you know again hopefully Tom works out I've heard that um Eckstein has some experience with him from Kentucky he must have liked something in his game and the A's are stacked in the outfield so they didn't need him you know, it may it doesn't mean that he stunk necessarily. It just meant he was out of options. So we'll see how it turns out. I think we've covered the outfield pretty well. Time to move on to the next subject. Let's take another quick break, everybody. are opening a series with the Cardinals and that means they have officially played everyone in the NL Central at this point and I thought it would be good if we just go over the landscape a bit see if things are panning out how we expected them to mention some things we're noticing and Jim you were on the show when we first talked about this division way back when so I figured let's start with you Um, because you had already made some statements in that show and I just wanted to see if you feel like they've held up 
Well, that's that's interesting, Gary, because I don't remember what I said. So, um, which is which, you know, if you talk well, to my then wife. in that case, everyone, you're going to be treated to very fresh content from Jim. <laughs> my wife always accuses me of never remembering anything she said or that I've said. So this should be good. I I look at it like, you know, obviously Milwaukee's the one that I kind of look at and think. Hey, you know, they're five games over 500 through 25 games. Um, I don't know that I expected that. Um, they've got to be thrilled. I mean, yeah. if the if the Pirates were 15 and 10 right now, uh, we would certainly be be doing backflips at this at this point. Um, St. Louis, they just they're always going to be there. Um, Regardless, I think every year you're always going to see St. Louis somewhere in the mix. And um, obviously, I think they're the one that you've got kind of pegged as the season goes along. They just seem to find a way to put things together enough to win the division. And um, the Reds, they look like a mess. They sure do. Yeah, I couldn't I'm, say that week one. I'll tell you that much. No, no, right? I mean, isn't that isn't that funny that we're only what at twenty five games, twenty four games into the season, and you look at week one and how much things have changed already. So yeah, um, I hey, you know, it's that that is the one interesting thing about this division this year is that I really can't see anybody running away with it. And um, maybe that makes it interesting. I don't think it should change the Pirates' plans all that much. But, no. I mean, you know, I I don't see anybody being able to run away with the division. So hopefully that keeps things interesting a little longer than maybe it should. I mean, I'm interested mostly because I feel like all the teams are going into a rebuild together. And – I think the Pirates are actually have a little bit of a head start on them. So I'm kind of hoping that all comes together and leads to the Pirates coming out of it before the rest of them get their act together. Milwaukee has done this largely without Yelich and definitely without Kane. And they're starting to experience some of that magic early season pitching staff stuff is starting to erode a little bit now. You know, you're starting to see people like, um, moving up and down from AAA a little bit. And Zach, I know you had some thoughts on the division. Why don't you go ahead and jump in? Sure. Yeah. I, I think um, crux of it is I think the Brewers just looking at the way they've played this season so far, but also numbers this year and last year, I think they are not head and shoulders, but maybe like eyebrow level up better than, the rest, I think there there is something to be said for the separation there. And like you alluded to, they've had injury issues, Yelich and Kane in the outfield. Right. And some underachievers offensively, largely the pitching that's been carrying them. And I do expect their offense to rebound as we get closer into the summer there. Um, but, but one thing that's really stricken me is how pretty much every team in the bullpen – area has has had struggles except for the pirates and so that's right something that's encouraging for the future in that regard but yeah um cubs it's outfielders aren't hitting the rotation and bull, uh, back the rotation at least is weak the cardinals you know their, their rotation is pretty much carrying them to this point their bullpen looks terrible and same i would say for cincinnati uh generally speaking but They've all each had their surprises of guys who haven't hit either. For for the Cardinals, Arenado's not doing awful, but he's certainly not lighting it up like certainly uh, St. Louis St. Louisans had expected to do. And Carpenter's fallen off. Looks like he's done. Goldschmidt even is hitting well below average so far this season. So it's going to be interesting to see who rebounds, who doesn't. The Reds have that really hot offense that's been carrying them. I think that's going to probably falter um so i expect in terms of things balancing out i can see cubs and cardinals looking more for that battle for second place unless 
you know, guys like Castellanos in Cincinnati can continue a you know, whatever he's at, like 1.250 slugging, whatever right, ridiculous right. number. He definitely but, won't. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Right, exactly. So, but I, I think with Milwaukee, there are enough underachievers to where I think if, if they see even even most, even maybe half those guys progress to the norm, I can see them staying ahead of the pack, the, the 162-game defense. Right. 162-game length. There we go. James, I'm going to go ahead and hit you here, and then I'm going to throw a curveball at everybody on this subject. I can't hit the curve. I, I, Neither can Blanco, um, and I know he's your favorite player. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> man, I really wish somebody was running away with the Central Division. I really do. I'm just it being this close, and if it stays close to the season, I'm just I'm afraid that there's going to be pressure from the fan base for the team to do something stupid. I mean, we're just we're not there yet. We're in a build. I know people keep saying rebuild. I'm going to keep saying build until it's – when I see our bullpen doing well, I see I see uh, prospects coming back towards us. I mean, I watched the Dodgers bullpen just get shellacked the other night, and all I could imagine was Rich Rod. How, how would he look in a Dodgers uniform and a couple of their nice prospects coming our way? I mean, that's – I mean, that's what I see when I watch the Pirates is – so that's what's funny about Rich Rod, though. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw. I wrote a piece on him the other day. Oh, but, I saw it. Okay, well, trying to figure out what makes Rich Rod Rich Rod, right? I can't figure it out, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I should know. But I know that baseball people like to know why somebody's good. They don't like to just look at numbers and go, "All right, he's doing really well," because that smells a lot like luck to baseball people. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Richard Rodriguez won't net something. I think he will, but he won't net as much as if you could provably say nobody can hit his fastball because it vertically breaks, blah, blah, blah. And you can't say that with Richard Rodriguez. At least you can't say that it breaks more than it did in 2019. So why is he you, so much better? You, you can't, you can't say that. Uh, but I mean, with the Dodgers bullpen being, if, they have a weakness that's what i would point at i mean they're going to win well over 100 games but i mean i think and there's i mean there's other teams with bullpen issues that we that's our strength and i mean to me that's what i look at but as in the sit i mean the central is just so packed right now and that's that just scares me because i know this isn't the last regime i know it's a new regime and i've got faith in that they'll stay the path until they do it's just I'm, I, I worry constantly worry I understand oh we're we're three games back oh oh my gosh we can do something here i'm like stop now i'm gonna make your panic level even worse don't you do it i, I can't help it james that's i mean there's no show if i don't push your buttons uh. so i think one thing we're going to experience in the nl central is the pieces that need to be moved from some of these teams. And I think they're all going to hang pretty close to 500. I'm not saying the pirates will, but I think the pack is going to move very close to 500, meaning come trade deadline time, there's going to be probably four teams in this division that think they have a shot. Right. I would agree. So do it. I'm not saying the pirates are doing, are going to go and, and be part of that. I, keep that up. But the Brewers might not want to move Josh Hader, and they really should. They really should. Like, they really need the assets he could bring back. They don't have a lot of other tradable assets, right? The Cincinnati Reds need to move Sonny Gray, need to move Luis Castillo, need to move Suarez, right? They need to figure out what they're doing with a lot of these players, even Castiano, right? They've mm-hmm. got to start making decisions on this stuff. The Cubs, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. I mean, there, there's a laundry list of names for the Cubs, right? The, I mean, you start adding all that up. St. Louis even has some question marks. They're going to need pitching. They're the only ones I can really see adding on. But you got to figure this is at least close to Yachty's last year right maybe he goes again next year 
Carpenter. I mean, they're going to have some assets they need to start thinking about moving too. If they're all congested like that, they could either all hold on to them and fight it out to the end and screw themselves, or they can move them anyway. And the Cubs, I think, are the only ones that are going to save themselves from the answer because I think they're just going to stink. I really do. They just do not have the pitching. They really don't, despite Kimbrell's numbers early on. I just don't see them hanging in the pack. But everybody else is going to have to make a decision whether they're going to shed or not. So what if they all decide to shed and the Pirates are going the opposite direction? This has an awful lot of 97 to it. I want to shed, Gary. I want to shed. But who do you shed? Like James is talking about the bullpen being interesting. The whole bullpen's controlled. They don't need to move any of those guys. Like, maybe they will, but you better give a great package because none of them have to. I'm not saying move them just to move them. I'm saying if if the Dodgers offered us something for Rich Fraud that we just couldn't refuse. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, I could see us move. We're going to shed, too. I mean, we're going we're gonna to shed Anderson, I believe, at some point if he keeps pitching this way because I think he, he'll bring something back if he keeps pitching. Um. I still think at some point Frazier might go. Adam, not Todd. Oh, he'll, he'll um, go too. Well, he'll go. Or another. Yeah. He may not go the same route. I mean, he. Um, so I think I hope he goes out quieter than he came in. The big talker. I know. I, I didn't like his comments, Todd's. So, I mean, I get it. But some people could have a little thicker skin also. It is what it is. Yeah. Point but, is. There's going to be moves. We know the Pirates are going to make some. Difference is, when we move Anderson, we've got Yahure behind him. The Cubs don't have answers like that. The Reds don't have answers like that. The Brewers don't have answers like that. But the Brewers are also going to get Yelich back. I mean... Yes, and his back problems aren't going to go away. They're not going to go away. They won't. I mean, and this may be his last year. Who knows? But it won't be his last year. But he's gonna he's gonna be just like he is, where he's gonna have to take three well, four days I mean, off once. My a last month. year, it may be his last year in Milwaukee. I mean, I could see him going to an AL team and being a DH. I mean, I, I could see that. Um, but I don't. I mean, as long as they're near the top, I don't see him shedding hater as much as they should. I mean, I just don't. I, I don't see them doing that to that fan base. I mean, yeah, I Devin Williams, he's pretty you, good. You know they should. I know they should. But Milwaukee fans aren't going one back. Right. And it's been a while since perhaps we've seen that with Milwaukee. Uh, I'm thinking back to the days of CC Sabathia being there, but they really have historically, and that, you know, might be a different regime, different time, but they have historically, from ownership, I think, shown a willingness to, we're going to go all in when we're going all in and you know consequences of future years be darned and so i i that's something that i i'm more excited about even if the pirates somehow stay in that race for the points you mentioned gary if they have depth coming along in this pretty uh bad division for the most part but yeah the brewers have shown propensity to hang on too long at various times the reds have as well to a lesser extent I think the difference to me with St. Louis and Chicago, and we, we have talked about in other circles how even with those not really being the small to mid markets like the other teams in the division, you know, they, they do need some at some point to rebuild the core, so to speak. But I, I do think St. Louis in particular, and the Cubs certainly have the money to do it if they want to, they can use money to try to hang on longer and longer. And yeah. St. Louis we'll has all that Colorado money to spend. Together. Right, that too, that too. And so my my hope is that let them all hang on. I think that's what a lot of observers of the Pirates like us are thinking. Let them hang on too long. Let them make that mistake. And that might, as the Pirates continue this build, uh, widen their window as the other teams look to recover, where maybe instead of looking at a very narrow one, two-year window, Maybe the Pirates are looking more at three, four years while the other teams struggle to catch up. So here's hoping. I'm hoping that they're looking at the window 
never really slamming shut by just doing what like Tampa does. Yeah, that's a that's a bridge that we hope to cross. Yes, whether it's to St. Petersburg or or whatever in that Bay Area, but uh, yeah, cross at some point. Well, Jim, let me hit you with curveball number two. Now you're Bring one it. of these teams who hung in, right? You're you're, uh-huh. you're Milwaukee. You're going to hold on to Hater, and you're going to possibly even add on, right? Okay. You need a you need a, a catcher. They have Luke Maley right now, for God's sake. So you got to you got to do something to, to add to this team. And then I look off on the horizon and I see way out west the Padres and the Dodgers, and I think to myself. Is there any amount that I could actually do to really impact and beat those two teams in a playoff series? And then I wonder if I really add on at all. Do you think teams think like that, or is it just about getting into the playoffs in general? You know, I think that comes down to which organization we're talking about. Um, I don't think the Cardinals think that way. I think the Cardinals definitely think that if they can get things straightened out find a way to get in play some good baseball down the street we've listen we've seen them do that i mean this i don't think they think that way at all Um, they've traditionally had a lot better pitching when they've tried to do that though that's true but you know it's early and um they just you know i just boy it's early but they're not going to manifest starting pitchers like that just crop up out of nowhere no no they're not uh organizationally i just i've seen them too many times just find a way to figure some things out uh down the stretch you know that's why i i look at the pirate situation and i think um let's just keep our eyes down the road right you know and um the brewers fold yeah, don't get fooled. Um, stick to the plan. Um, if you get if you get some good opportunities to still move guys, I think you do it. Now that being said, I do. I, listen, I don't want to gloss over the '97 freak show year that you. I mean, you mentioned it. That was one of the most fun. Now this could be viewed as a sad comment, but for a Pirates fan, <laughs> but that was one of the most fun seasons ever in my in my opinion with but it was a blast it was i mean completely out of nowhere too i mean um it would legitimately be if this team did anything near that i don't know that it's even close to what that team had because they didn't have anything yeah um so you know would would a season like that be fun would it be surprising would it be entertaining Yes. Would I sacrifice anything at the expense of staying on the path that I think Sherrington is on right now? No, I wouldn't. Um, And I know that that didn't necessarily, I got off track a little bit, but um, Milwaukee's, I, I do think Milwaukee is somebody that they could be tempted to maybe do a thing here too. They've done it at the deadline before. Adding pitching. Um, so I give them credit, whether, you know, it's short-sighted or not. They've tried to do some things to go for it. Um, but maybe this year with the way the Padres and Dodgers look, maybe that does keep some teams from even trying. Yeah. I know J- James earlier said, you know, the Dodgers are going to win like well over 100 games. I'm not even sure if I buy that 100% because I think those teams are going to beat the crap out of each other. I really do. I think they're going to keep their records both respectively down a little bit from what they were last year. The Dodgers were very much on an island. I know the Padres were good, but they weren't They weren't like they are this year. And to be fair, I don't think we've seen the Padres 100% healthy yet. So I think, I think those two teams are going to really beat each other up pretty bad. The NL Central right now looks like a better division than the NL East doesn't it? I mean, the, the Braves are underperforming like crazy. The Mets, I never really believed in anyway, but you know, they are what they are. The Marlins are what they are. Washington's disappointed. You know, I, I think the NL Central, eh, there's a potential there for them to actually sneak a wild card team in too. 
I, I really do think these teams are going to hang around 500. I really do. As much as James doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> but I, no, and, I, I, I truthfully believe that. And James is, is more like me on the side of, I, you know, and that's the interesting thing right now about the Pirates and you look at the, the um, kind of the feedback and the reaction you get on Twitter. I think a lot of people either see it through the prism of you're still building, nothing changes that. And then there's others that see it through the prism of did we win this game? What are we doing to win? What are we doing to win this season? It's all about the here and now. Yeah. And um, so you do you do see that that those points diverge on social media. And um, for me, like I said, I just, I'm viewing it definitely through the prism of um, how do we get back to where we need to get to long-term. It goes back to the conversation we had earlier about why didn't they do anything in the outfield? Because this season is what this season is. I mean, they showed you right then and there exactly what they planned for this season. What you're seeing right now isn't what they expected. It probably isn't even what's going to be. I mean, they're, they're going to fall back towards the pack a little bit. The bullpen, like like I said early on, being that good, it's going to make them look professional. It's going to keep them in games. It's going to keep them in more games than they probably should. The starting pitching, I think, will look better by the end of the year than it does right now. I really do. They'll move players out. They'll get Stephen Brault back. They'll, they'll move uh, – Anderson, they'll put your hurray in. I, I think honestly, the starting rotation ends up looking pretty sweet by the end of this of the season, at least compared to what we started with. Cahill will go, Will Crow will step in, somebody like that. I think you're looking at a pretty decent rotation by the end of the year. Hopefully, Keller gets it, figures it out. All in all, the pitching I think will be there. We know the bats aren't problem is they can't go out and add and it would be foolish to go out and add so i don't see them pulling off the division you know no matter what and i don't see them sneaking into a wild card and i don't see it being worth sneaking into a wild card to go do anything i just don't i think have fun enjoy what you're doing build the culture of winning keep trying to work with what you have get the young kids in there as much as you can trade what you need to trade don't stretch to trade something. If there's no takers for Adam Frazier, hold on to him till the off season, whatever, try to extend him. So be it. If there's no takers for Anderson. I'd be shocked, but so what? So you lost what? Nothing. <laughs> he just walks for nothing. It's no big deal. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to force a trade. They don't have a whole lot of situations like that. It's a really weird situation to be in, actually, because they're, they're kind of set up to compete with this division. They really are. There's nobody that's going to blow the doors off them. Interesting times in the NL Central. It really is. And it's going to be a fun thing to watch all season. I can't wait until the first domino falls. I really can't. As soon as the Cubs decide like they, they're done with Chris Bryant or whoever they're going to move, They're going to extend whoever they're going to extend. It's going to be so interesting watching that all develop. I can't wait. Thank you, guys. This has been a wonderful conversation. Really awesome. I love talking baseball with everybody. And I just want to give you guys all one last shot to get your shout-outs out there and make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. So let's start with the new guy, Zach. Yeah, I'm in a few of the Pirates Facebook groups. That's mainly where I like to – chat buckos with my fellow fans um, that's why so, he sounds uh, depressed by the way <laughs> <laughs> hey i mean i was i was born right in that early 90s period so that i think says it all but oh um, the uh the, the one i've i've interacted with gary most in is pirates galley and then i'm also in buckos brigade um and though, though i have been based on COVID and some other factors inactive. Um, I've also done some uh, freelancing for MLB.com during spring training. So if you have a care to look back at some of my stuff, uh, most of it not necessarily about the Pirates, but about you know other teams playing in the Grapefruit League here and there, you can find that at MLB.com. Um, yeah, always interested in talking about those in any of those groups uh, here and about the different perspectives. Sounds good. And James, how about you, sir? 
I'm, I'm on Facebook a lot. I actually know my Twitter this time. <laughs> it's at jlittleton42. Um, I was on there a lot last night, obviously. Me and Jim going back and forth with some comments. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I actually remember my Twitter this time. So, I mean, I'm on there now a lot, thanks to you. It's all my fault. I do, it again, is. I do feel bad and apologize. But Apologize to my wife. Well, it's your wife's on there, too. So She is. It's, and it's, it's a little less caustic than Facebook can be. So, Jim, how about you, sir? Well, you can find me on MySpace. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Zach's like, get where? Me. Yeah, yeah. No, Zach. I, I'm old enough. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can get at me on Twitter basically 24-7. Uh, it is for the city underscore four one two or at Jim Stam twenty two. Pirates, Penguins, Steelers, Pitt, um, and anything that's not politics. Let's <laughs> let's chat about. But uh, we just got to get Zach on Twitter, man. I, I you know he's 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 awesome. I'm not looking to corrupt young minds, but I will. Well, not I mean on Twitter, of course, but not. Not in this forum. Um, so I'm Gary Mo two zero zero seven on Twitter. You can get a hold of me anytime you like, and no reason for the conversation to stop just because the show's over. You can drop in the asylum and leave me some comments. You could hit me up on Twitter. You can look up my name on Facebook, however you'd like to do it, and uh, look for the poll next week. It's going to be interesting, and I will try to come up with an even cooler question. So until next week, goodbye, everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you.